Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Help get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's been listening to Flip Miss Carol's next to the Flip Miss Tree all day, <laughs> Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, you know, th- we had such a good weekend that I wasn't sure if we were going to have the have a quiet signing day where, you know, everything just kind of played out as we expected it. That was not the case. There were some big flips. There's some people who we'll talk about who haven't necessarily signed yet who could still be in play. There was just just an, a whole lot going on this was a great wednesday i always forget to take uh either national or now early uh signing day off uh as a holiday from work um religious holiday but uh unfortunately uh i was working but i hope my company's not listening my phone was blowing up all day (laughs) and it was a great day it wasn't the perfect finish that all the message board heads uh, had convinced themselves was going to happen but that wasn't going to happen but from what did happen texas had a really incredible day uh, especially given the fact that they were five and seven imagine what this recruiting class could have been if they were seven and five even and how things could have gone first one off of the Fax machine hot off the presses. Quinn Ewers was the first one to officially get his uh, get his papers in. But we talked about that in our previous episode, Quinn and his impact. And so we'll talk. If you want to hear more about our thoughts on Quinn Ewers, you can definitely check out our Tuesday show. We talked about it ad nauseum. It was a great uh, great talk about it. But what I want to talk about and bring up Texas. Got four big commitments day of three flips and one straight up win. Uh, started the day early at 8.30 in the morning. Uh, Little Elm cornerback four slash five star, depending on which service you prefer. Terrence Brooks, who was a surprise commitment to Ohio State over the summer, made a surprise flip in front of some Takis and a big Taki sign <laughs> to the University of Texas uh, filling one of the biggest holes in this class, which is that lockdown cornerback spot later in the day, actually right around the same time, Westlake edge rusher Ethan Burke, who this is one where he had a big jump between his junior and senior year. And yeah. so his rating is very low. He was very under recruited and all of his power five offers came like six weeks ago, basically. So Texas got in on him late, but was able to close, flipped him from Michigan. Uh, wide receiver Xavier Bryce was another early one in the day. Uh, he's listed as an athlete. Texas has one wide receiver in this class, so he could play wide receiver, but they also have a need for defensive backs. And then the kind of cherry on the Sunday Four-star tackle Malik Agbo continues to add large humans to Texas's large human room, and he picked the University of Texas. So Texas currently sits with 26 letters of intent that are in one outstanding Ronald Lewis. We'll talk about Champ Lewis a little bit later, but Texas had a great signing day, finished fifth 
in the country, first in the Big 12. They would have unfortunately been fourth in the SEC, but that's a whole nother conversation. The oil money is treating AM really well this cycle. The gas prices are helping them out significantly. But Kyle, what I want to talk about is looking at this class, Texas very clearly is flipping the roster. There's 26 guys. Sark mentioned that they could add an additional 10 through transfers and additional signees. So they're pushing almost 45% basically of the roster turned over with new signees and or transfers. And I want to know from you, Kyle, who are you expecting to contribute the earliest and who are the most excited to see uh, in Burn Orange? There's some really interesting names. Obviously, the uh, the higher up you are on the the starred ranking, the more expectation comes with it. So, I mean, I think just simply looking at the top three guys, obviously Quinn Ewers. You know, we've talked about him. I'm not going to go into detail there. Listen, Cheryl said to our last podcast is is without a doubt one. He's going to be an early enrollee. Uh, Kelvin Banks um, is one of the biggest gets in in the past you know decade or five years at least I don't call it decade for Texas football as as that elite of an offensive tackle prospect um we struggled at the tackles even though we saw some improvement so it's a lot to ask a freshman especially at, at the money position of a, of a tackle uh to have to step in and and do it but you know you may take a couple lumps for the first few games that's not forget that Alabama is one of the first few games. Uh, you may take a couple lumps, um, but his ceiling is just so high that, that you have to. He's he's a guy who, as we talked about, is is an incredible run blocker. Uh, he'll need some pass reps, so it does scare me a little. But I do think that that he is he is one. But but I mean, I would not be surprised depending on how their uh, their camps go and 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 in summer and, and spring ball and 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 kind of leading up to. Uh, everything for the early enrollees, especially, I would be not surprised to see almost any of our, our high end offensive linemen getting at least in the rotation, getting at least in the uh, the seven eight uh, man rotation in there. So that you know could be could be Agbo, could be uh, any of the interior linemen, maybe some who haven't signed yet. Uh, could be could be any uh, of the big bodies of which there are you know thousand plus pounds to choose from. <laughs> I think legitimately, when you look at the top, uh, Terrence Brooks coming in could could be a guy who just walks in, and I don't want to say you know, anything bad about what D-backs we have on campus, but his talent um, and uh, upside there, um, again, Josh Thompson leaving, kind of also opens something. Jameson is coming back, but again, has has that talent. Uh, don't sleep on Jalen Gilbo, who's going to be an early enrollee, but I think you know Terrence, both of those enrolling early will be battling it out, maybe. Uh, but there are some young cornerbacks who, who played some this year in, in kind of reserve roles who will be fighting and trying to hold them off, but the talent is, is certainly um there and then you know just an interesting one is brendan thompson right there you said there weren't a ton of receiver options in this class and and obviously it'll be easier to say once we know what comes in the portal but his speed is is relatively elite and even though omieri and Jaden alexis come back off injury almost like new additions to this wide receiver room there was just there was a wide opening behind xavier worthy for who could fill in especially with whittington hurt to take some reps and some you know washington did fine dixon did fine but you know is there someone just wants to step in and step up the opportunity certainly is there and presents itself yeah when you look at like the positions of need for texas i think of like three big positions of need and that's at corner 
that's on the offensive line, and that's at wide receiver. And really, edge is probably another one that Texas could stand uh, yeah. to, to improve on. And so a guy like Justice Finkley, who's an early enrollee, mm. he is an absolute physical specimen. He's one of those guys that you look at him and you're like, there was nobody that went to high school with me that looked like him. That's a gr- <laughs> like, I'd have thought he was a teacher if I saw him. Like, he's got facial hair. He's a massive, massive human being. He also wants to be like a neurosurgeon, which is really cool. So I I love seeing that. Uh, but, like, he is a guy who I think could come in. He, again, he's an early enrollee. So he's a guy who could come in, get some good college weight on him in his first semester, learn the defensive system early. And that's a spot where Texas needs some help. Texas was seventh in the conference in tackles for loss and sacks. And so if you can get off the edge and get off the end and get in the backfield, he's a guy that could definitely, definitely do that. Same thing goes for Jamon Tapp out of uh, out of Louisiana. That was a huge win for Texas going into Louisiana and yeah. getting a kid that LSU wanted. And he's another guy that I think could come in and if he can learn the system quickly, he had and the beautiful thing about the way that Texas is playing defense right now is there's there's not a lot for the ends and the, those uh, those rush guys to learn. It's Keep your outside arm free, set the edge, get to the quarterback. Like that, those are three things that travel with you at any level. And if you can do those, you can do those. And Tap and Finkley are both guys that can do that already. Now, Tap and Finkley both, you have to look at the competition level. Louisiana has some higher competition, uh, but Finkley's a guy who, uh, again, playing in, in Alabama, it's it's high school football in Alabama's good. It's not, you know, 6A Texas good. But they're both guys that I think if they can adjust to the speed of the game quickly, they're ones that you could see absolutely making a difference. And then last but certainly not at least a guy that I love and I'm super cheering for, Jeray Bledsoe out of Martin. Mm. Uh, he is somebody I have a I have a big spot in my heart for defensive linemen that were skilled players in high school. And he is a guy who came up with 100 tackles as a junior and rushed for 1,200 yards as well. <laughs> and so like, he's got good feet. Very clearly, mm-hmm. he's, he's quick, he's agile, he's a guy that can play a lot. Um, and I, I'm cheering for him because like he had this weird UIL situation where he, um, he was at Marlin for his sophomore year, transferred to uh, Bremen for a year where he played both ways, and then moved back home to Marlin, and the UIL said he was, uh, he was ineligible because it was a, allegedly a football move, even though he moved back home, just neither here nor there. But uh, he's a guy who, once he gets on campus and he's an early enrollee, I think could have a lot to say. Uh, on that defensive line because Texas needs good bodies, these talented bodies and guys that, that can get off a block and get to the quarterback. Uh, shouts to Marlin coach, uh, Ramon Taylor, one of the baddest dudes to ever uh, put on pads and uh, on the 40. Um, but yeah, it, it, just some, some, some good names that we both talked about there, but I don't want to only focus on the players who can come in and, and play immediately because there's some guys with some big time upside as well. Um, a couple names who you, either haven't heard in a while or or maybe didn't hear until recently. Uh, Jaden Blue, uh, he was a four-star. I mean, legitimately had some circumstances played out differently, could have very easily been a five-star, was at one point the number one running back in this class. I think still should be. People were angry uh, that he chose to. Mike Farrell, <laughs> talking about you. We are. Uh, to sit out his senior year and basically tanked his, his rankings, which is ridiculous, which is fine. Let, let him be a, the opposite of burn orange media conspiracy, a, a kid who is undervalued, um, but a kid who should also be hungry uh, to play and healthy and, and ready to go. Obviously we'll be, be enrolling early. Let's not forget Malik Murphy and all the viewers talk uh, Malik will be enrolling early. So a guy who, again, 
if Ewers is ready to go day one, Murphy made some big strides his senior year, but will uh, will still um, you know have probably a year or two development curve, which might work out nicely with the time frame that Quinn Ewers is thinking before he's throwing NFL footballs again. If everything goes to plan, not to say we know anything that that that's you know that that Sark is going to do, but it does feel like yours is the kind of immediate and, and Malik Murphy is a little bit of the future uh, there. Um, we shall see. Uh, they'll battle it out. I obviously want to shout out four-star edge, 11-star recruiter, uh, Derek Brown, uh, who's just, <laughs> just one of our favorites already. It's easy to be a fan favorite when you're that good on social media and come out saying all the right things before you even get on campus. Uh, shouts to BJ Allen as well. A guy who legit- yeah. legitimately could, um, we should probably put BJ Allen in our potential contributors just because there are some young openings uh, at safety. <laughs> correct. There is some young safeties on the roster already, but there are two openings uh, at the safety position. Um, so, you know, he'll, he'll be fighting uh, for that at least to get in that rotation. And then a guy who's really interesting, uh, the flip from Michigan you mentioned, Ethan Burke. Uh, he's six seven and like 225. Um, yeah. I, I talked to talk to uh coach Zajac about this because he had to block him uh as the offensive line and offensive coordinator in, in austin area high school and called him unblockable first of all um sent me clips of him just like eliminating wide receiver screens from the defensive end position which is which is really hard to do but when you're six seven and quick you can do it but he also said look for him to add 80 to 100 pounds to his frame in college which is interesting which shows he's going to be a you know a development project like gerald said the fact that his he was not in the top 1,000 coming into his senior year. Michigan made a really good um, kind of development offer to him and and, and got him committed. Um, but again, Westlake kid, uh, when when Texas comes calling, it's hard to say no. But originally, before this year in his meteoric rise, his six seven frame had committed to play lacrosse at Maryland, which is just hilarious and, and not bad. Also terrifying for defenses, right? You know, he's, good lacrosse school. That's that's right. Well, you know, he's got you know some 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 good feet and probably some good hands if he can uh, if he can do that. And then I don't want it to be missed. Texas's best group out of the three offense, defense, and special teams, according to S and Plus and FEI this year, was special teams. Shouts to Jeff Banks. Jeff Banks also is noted as a recruiter. He helped on a not lot of monkey and around. <laughs> On a lot of these recruitments, he either took point or secondary on the ones we've already said, but also very specifically, he pulled in the number three kicker uh, from Austin. So that that helps. That's nice. Will Stone in uh, the number one long snapper, Lance St. Louis. Let's not forget that Justin Mater, our current uh, long snapper, is the number one ranked. High, he's the Quinn Ewers Vince Young of long snappers. He's the number one all-time ranked high school long snapper. Uh, so there's a tradition here that has to be uh, brought. So St. Louis coming to Austin. I. Just just, I have a view where St. Louis is snapping. We need to get another uh, directionally named person to hold, and then Burt Auburn <laughs> is kicking. And I just, I really like that for the SEC. A St. Louis snapping to Auburn. Uh, like I said, if we can get a kid named like Jimmy Tuscaloosa to, to be our holder, I don't know. Uh, I just, I like what what's going on there in the uh, the special teams room as well. Getting number one and again the number three kicker, especially a local kid out of Austin. Jaden Blue fell 140 spots in the composite after he declared he wasn't going to play his senior year. He is the difference between his 24 247 composite rating and his 247 sports rating is 100 spots. Like taking yeah. the kid for opting out is just some petty 
idiotic stuff from some petty idiotic old men and i had to get that out because here we are but no i I think did a really good job there kyle breaking it all down i think for texas now what seems outstanding on the board texas signed six offensive linemen but they're still in the hunt for elite guard uh devon campbell out of um out of Bowie High School, he released a top two today of Texas and OU. Texas has been in the mix uh, since the beginning, and so has OU. One of the only good things Herb Hand left us was a great relationship with Devon Campbell. He's going to probably take a second official to OU because of the coaching change, uh, but Kyle Flood is going to make him his singular focus for the next three months. So we'll see how it plays out. Some other defensive players that are pushing their decisions and considering Texas, linebacker Harold Perkins, who's considering Texas and Texas A&M. The number five player in the country who kind of can play all over the field uh, is considering Texas currently quarterback. Cornerback Denver Harris uh, has slash will sign before the early signing period is over, but he is not going to announce until after North Shore State Championship game. Looks like he's probably leaning AM, but Texas is still in the mix. And ed- elite edge rusher Omari Abor from Duncanville was thought to be a lock to Ohio State, but according to all of our friends who report on recruiting, started looking into Texas more uh, late last night, early this morning, so he pushed back and will not be on the wide receiver side on the offensive side of things. Uh, Evan Stewart, who was committed to Texas and then decommitted to Texas and then was flirting with Texas and then committed to AM, has still not sent in his letter of intent. Evan is kind of a wild card, so he could wake up tomorrow and send his LOI to Jackson State. Who knows? But they're still in the mix. And then uh, Kendrick Law is another one that Texas is currently in uh, kind of talks with. It looked to be an Alabama-LSU battle, but Texas is kind of creeping in there late. Part of how Texas is creeping in there is because Texas needs wide receivers and uh, Texas wants them to play wide receiver instead of safety. So that would be a nice change of pace. Texas getting a guy because they don't want him to play safety would be fun. (laughs) So those are the ones that are still outstanding on the table. Uh, And then Champ Lewis is another one that's been committed to Texas for a while, but did not send in his letter of intent. And it seems like he may have been a victim of uh, the numbers crunch. Texas is very clearly over signing in this class and trying to figure out how to make the numbers work. So we hope to see champ on campus. He's possibly a blue shirt candidate, possibly a gray shirt candidate. We'll find out more about that uh, as the numbers shake themselves out. Yeah. And and one final thing on that, Gerald is, is looking at the transfer portal, obviously clearing up some more spots with people going out, but Texas also will be heavily looking at the transfer portal with people coming in. And we might talk about that a little bit in the future of who uh, could be fits there once we let this digest just a little bit, but uh, transfer portal will, will, will be the, the next key equation into this heading into uh, what is a, a monumental next season. It should be fun to watch. Texas got a big injection of talent finished. Well, I say finished, currently sitting fifth in the 247 rankings, and we'll see how that shakes itself out with one more signing day on the books in February. So quickly, let's talk about this basketball game uh, against Arkansas Pine Bluff because there's not a whole lot to talk about there, Kyle. Texas absolutely rolled Arkansas Pine Bluff 63-31 to in. This was just a boring basketball game. I don't know how else to say it, but it is – everybody said it when Texas hired Chris Beard. They were going to win basketball games, but some of them may be absolutely ugly to watch, and this is a prime candidate – for an ugly to watch win. 
Hey, Gerald. Texas had one player in double digits. Come on. Uh, 31 points from UAPB is the uh, tie for the second fewest points allowed by Texas uh, since basically the Second World War. Um, so that, that's, I guess, good on the defensive side, but the Pine Bluff is probably the worst team they'll play all year. If not, they're they're in the very close ranking. But you know, thanks to some scheduling, there are there is some competition. Um, the, the big one for this, besides Trey Mitchell being in double digits, fourteen points on uh, two of three shooting from deep, which is good that someone could make three pointers. Uh, Dylan Disu made his Longhorn debut. Only played twelve minutes. He's still coming back from injury, um, but you know, getting conditioning, getting making sure everything's good with the knees. He, he had five rebounds and just a huge monster block. So. That kind of big presence that we've been hoping DC would be with with both uh, hitting the glass on the offensive and defensive side, and then uh, protecting the paint a little bit. As, you know, Mitchell is, is held his own, but giving another big body in there, we'll hope to see more of that uh, from DC. And then an interesting thing uh, on the personnel was Devin Askew started over Marcus Carr, and I don't know if that was a little bit of a shakeup or a message from Chris Beard. Carr did play, so it wasn't like he was hurt. Um, but Askew led the team with a game high three steals. Still struggling to find his kind of groove and niche on the offensive side, but Chris Beard seems to be rewarding a kid at the point guard position who will really defend, uh, which is what he's looking for. So again, I think that's probably more of just a message, more of a shakeup than anything long term. But look for Marcus Carr hopefully to uh, to respond. He didn't Carr didn't shoot lights out still when he was in there and so you need something to kind of wake him up and the team overall didn't shoot lights out after going cold in the second half against Seton Hall something to watch only getting 63 points was in uh, large part to the fact they didn't hit the deep ball particularly well didn't even didn't even make their two pointers uh, and it is super effective clip um, so you know just something to watch there it was nice seeing Disu come in and look like the post presence that Texas needed at times. And I think that was promising, especially as Texas, again, their, their two big losses of the year have been to teams that just beat them up in the post. So hopefully DSU can be the one that changes the chemistry for this team uh, in the interior because Texas absolutely needs it. But Texas next will take on Stanford in Las Vegas on Sunday. It's part of a Vegas doubleheader. Women's basketball will take on number six, Arizona on Sunday. All right, Jared, let's uh, take a look at the world through burnt orange lenses. And while all the news about signing day was was positive and, and great coming out and Texas signed an elite running back and has uh, some good news, hopefully, on elite running backs in the 2023 class, there is going to be a change in the coaching staff, it sounds like. Um, and it, it's, it's one of those good ones you root for as a head coach, your assistants uh, becoming head coaches always. And uh, it sounds like it is official as of a few, an hour or so before we record this podcast uh running backs coach stan drayton officially announced as the next head coach of the temple owls temple has had a an outsized impact for a kind of mid-major program uh this is the second texas assistant in just a few years <laughs> to be a temple head coach of course manny diaz was there for about an hour um but you know matt rule came from temple before his ascent to baylor and then the nfl it's it's been an interesting launching uh, pads stan drayton a guy who's coached at both college nfl levels you know coached him elite elite players ezekiel uh, elliott obviously getting the Bijan and kind of the creating the running back pipeline texas currently is is uh, benefiting from but it will be very very interesting what coach sark does here yeah i think there are 
there are still some dominoes that are left to fall with, with Drayton leaving. I think uh, it's possible that Texas has to replace a couple of different staff members. Brandon Harris has kind of been his understudy. He was the associate running backs coach. And then when uh, Carrington left, they promoted him to director of recruiting. So it would seem like a, an easy slide in for uh, Harris to jump back into the, the big, the big office and be the running backs coach and kind of continue uh, Drayton's legacy of being a solid, solid developer and a really uh, good recruiter. He would, recruit probably more than just running backs. He'd focus on running backs for this first cycle because uh, Ruben Owens is a must-have for Texas. But if Harris goes with him, then there are some options there as well. You've got Chris Gilbert on staff who will very likely uh, end up in a positional role somewhere at some point, so you might as well just get him on staff at Texas. He's part of the reason why I think Texas was able to get back in with a lot of these Dallas area, DFW area schools that had tech really kind of frozen out Texas for the last several years recruiting-wise. You've got uh, Mike Jinks is a is a local guy who is currently the running backs coach at USC I think pending uh what Lincoln Riley decides to do, but Jinx could come back uh, to the Central Texas area. Uh, there are also some other names out there. Mike Roach did a really good write-up of it. You can check that out on 247. I don't want to steal his shine, but uh, there's going to be flux and there's going to be changes. We still need to see like what happens again with Brandon Harris or even Andre Coleman. If Andre Coleman goes with them, I know one of the quick things that uh, coordinators and position coaches usually do is grab uh, position coaches from their former school that they know really well, but Drayton's a really well-connected guy. So again, still a lot of dominoes to fall before we can really even have like a deep conversation conversation about it but big ups to coach Drayton man he is a guy who um, yeah. has been one of the most consistent developers of talent and recruiters on the staff I remember three years ago people were calling for his freaking head and then he landed Bijan and he landed Jaden Blue and he landed Jonathan Brooks uh, and and it was like oh yeah Stan Drayton uh, you all should shut your mouth because Stan Drayton is elite so I'm glad <laughs> well deserved well earned and we're gonna be sad to see him go but like with anybody uh, who decides to, to do what's best for them and leave the University of Texas we will always be in your corner coach Drayton we're very excited to see your success with the Owls and as a guy who's been here since 2017 that's a lot of institutional knowledge Texas has had turnover at every position every coordinator head coach included um, so the fact that, that they lose uh, Drayton is is a, is a bit of a loss to that continuity uh, as well. But again, uh, th- that is a part of it when your assistants are, are really good and you're hiring the best. So so good for Coach Drayton. Now a guy who has moved on from the 40 acres on the football field, but uh, has gone to the, I don't know, they still call it the gridiron, the uh, whatever they call it in Canada. Um, I don't know what that's all about, but uh, Jackson Jeffcoat. Just won his second consecutive Grey Cups with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, defending their championship in a 33-25 overtime thriller over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. This one ended on a uh, interception, kind of like dropped by one guy, bobbled to another, and then picked by the third guy. It was a crazy uh, finish, but uh, Jeff Coat was was all over the field. And again, it's it's great to see Longhorns shining uh, wherever they they uh, take their career after the Forty Acres. He's playing professional ball and he's winning championships, which is absolutely great to see. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat's a great, great ambassador for the university, and so I love seeing him have some success. I love that. Some current uh, Longhorns on the 40 Acres adding some additional awards. We have All-American honors for the volleyball team, Logan Eggleston and Brianni Butler, our first-team All-American. Skyler Fields find yourself on the third team. Logan Eggleston was also named an academic All-American, which is just amazing uh, that she can perform at that high of a level and also uh, do it off the the court in the classroom. Actually a back-to-back All-American selection for the junior. So just the exemplar for uh, the 40 acres student athlete who can really excel at both. You you absolutely love seeing those those players come uh, through the 40 acres. 
you and I are long and, and storied volleyball stands, so I'm very excited uh, to see these ladies get the, the honors they deserve. They've been an incredible team and consistently the best program on campus for the last 10 years. So uh, glad to see them continue to, to earn the uh, hardware they deserve. Absolutely. And then out on the pitch, uh, we had some awards to give out or to recognize Lexi Mesmo and Trinity Byers, both named two top drawers, all freshman team. Julia Grasso also named third team, uh, I guess, third 11. Uh, so the equivalent of an All-American third team uh, for uh, now Juventus player Julia Grasso. But Miss Moon Byers just getting started. There's going to be many more awards in their future. On the links, a couple of uh, former Longhorns will be uh, competing at the highest level. Agathe Lenny and Caitlin Papp both earned their LPGA Tour status for 2022. So hook them and congrats to them. Those cards. That's right. Uh, Get those cards and get those checks, baby. LPGA uh, stacking paper like an NLI deal. Uh, Longhorns in the NFL. We had uh, a good week here as the season is is winding down already. Uh, Justin Tucker did what he did what he does every week three for three on field goals including two over 50 nailed a 55 yarder like it was nothing uh chris boyd had five tackles but as we've often said on this podcast there was a boyd tax paid one of those tackles he blew up a third down wide receiver screen but then taunted over top of him was immediately benched gave them a penalty they converted scored on that drive um so you know chris boyd giveth and chris boyd taketh I mean, we, we, you have to pay the Boyd tax and sometimes it could just be a 15 yarder. Sometimes it could be a touchdown. Sometimes it could be, I, I don't know what else it could be, but a lot of things outside of the purple teams, Gerald, we had a uh, good performance from Puna Ford, six tackles, one tackle for Puna. loss, <laughs> Jordan Hicks, seven tackles. Uh, the, the Titans were, were out here contributing on the offensive side of the ball, which they haven't had a lot of that. So UT accounting for uh, about a hundred yards, maybe half of their overall production from that unit. Uh, Jeff Swaim, who I keep joking, might be a fantasy option as you get into the playoffs. There are three catches for 45. And then I have, uh, I have a, a confliction here Gerald you tell me uh I'll say both of these stat lines and you tell me which one is your vote for Longhorn of the week I'm going to start with option number one also on those Titans uh Dante Foreman 13 rushes for 47 yards one TD two catches for 15 yards that's his first touchdown on the season option number two Alex Okafor three tackles one and a half sacks two QB hurries and a forced fumble where he just rocked uh Derek Carr's world and knocked the ball out of it it was a beautiful big hit for uh the man from Pflugerville, I believe. Alex Okafor has gotten Longhorn of the Week, so let's go with Deonta Foreman. Let's let's go oh. with that just to keep it uh, keep it even. I like that. I like that. Uh, a man who is filling the size 27s of Derrick Henry uh, <laughs> pretty pretty well. So that's it for Longhorns of the Week. That's it for Burn Orange Lenses. Gerald, uh, take us home with a little Godzilla-tron. What are you watching on your giant screen? Haven't had a ton of time to stream these last couple this last week, uh, but Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, that is, I had it. It's one of those like it's it's a me movie, but I can also have it on when the kids are up and around, and my son is starting to get like four, so he's starting to get into it. There's music, but I will defend till my dying breath that Muppet Christmas Carol is the best version of the Christmas Carol, uh, and I will entertain no slander or arguments otherwise. It's hilarious, continues to be hilarious, holds up to this day. Great music. Michael Caine is easily the best Ebenezer Scrooge that's been out there. So like, don't come at me with your Muppet Christmas Carol slander because. 
I will literally fight. It's incredible, and I love it. It is an elite film. Do you do a Michael Caine impression? Everyone seems to do, and it's okay if you don't. I, I do not. No, I'm I don't not, think you I do, do not do impressions. I was going to say I don't think I've ever heard you really do an impression. Uh, you know, I've always heard it's uh, you kind of press the roof, the tongue to the roof. You get a little nasally. Michael Caine. Uh, that's very bad. What I watched, Gerald, this week was the season finale of Succession, um, mm. and. It was pretty incredible. The last three episodes, I feel like, were just edge-of-your-seat stuff. Couldn't stop watching for a show that's really ultimately about nothing, about moving chairs <laughs> and in rich people's lives and, and who gets to, you know, be next in line to be even richer, um, to, to add billions on their their, their pile of, of, of money that would make the, the baby hero character from Breaking Bad who, who swam and laid on a pile of money uh, jealous. Um, you know, it's about rich people. It's about rich people who are awful and terrible and vile. And uh, it's, it's kind of cringy, dark comedy. And when you view it in that lens, I think it's more enjoyable. But it, it just was stunning uh the way they got to the end uh of the season and without giving any kaiser so say spoilers uh i will just say that that i have been banging the drum for tom wamsgans the character he he an unbelievable actor the the man who can play uh the the kind of lead role in pride and prejudice and then also play the uh like fourth uh, you know no 10th most like rich important person on succession and, and really be be you know uh, i don't even know how to describe it just so wounded by his poorness in the presence of these titans of of finance um and is just the the, the zinger one-liner uh king of television of the past five years haven't stopped singing the praises of Tom Wamsgans and it finally seemed to all finally work out for old Tommy boy. I was pretty thrilled. Anyone who's been watching this tweet at me. If you're as big a Tom fan as, as I am, uh, Tom and Greg are the greatest couple on television. Um, and that's my succession take. It's one of those that like, I feel like I have to, like I want to watch it and everybody tells me to watch it, but I like, I feel like it's one that I have to like sit down and actually watch. And at this current stage in my life, I don't have that kind of bandwidth. Uh, three children is essentially infinite children. So I just don't have the bandwidth to sit down and like watch a show. It's not, I, I, it's gotta be something that I could like watch while I'm cleaning. It's so witty. It's the one liners. It's, it's VPN almost. And it's like quick dialogue. So if you're not paying attention, you might, You'll still catch the plot, but you will miss the like things that make it wonderful, which is just the like really sharp dialogue. Yeah, I'm gonna have to wait until my kids are older, but that's <laughs> all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas pregamer at Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll see you back on Tuesday. And until then, hook them. Hook them. Aggies paid too much money.